biggest thing is just think longevity and change doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take months, maybe years, but in the long run, over the span of your life, which is decades, it'll be worth it. You were just listening to Jonathan Marbus, who happens to be number two of three of my children. He's got an incredible story of overcoming dyslexia. He happens to be plant-based, lifting weights, getting strong, and wants to start his own plant-based company. And by the way, he also started his own plant-based podcast. So, And I was fortunate enough to be his first interview. So you guys check it out. This is Plant-Based is his new podcast. But this is a really cool interview to hear from a young person. We don't have too many young, really young people on the podcast. On occasion we do. But this is something that I think is special to my heart. And I hope that you'll find special in his heart. And it'll be fun to uh, support a, a young person um, and see them grow and become leaders in a healthy human uh, revolution. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today it's a very special day because now I'm also a physician, but I'm also a mother, and I'm going to be interviewing one of my three children, Jonathan Marvis. How are you, bud? Good. How are you? Good. So, Jonathan, the reason we're interviewing him today is because one, all three of the kids are plant-based, but Jonathan has taken a special interest in that and he started his own podcast. That was his first interview, so so honored. And he's also doing some really cool stuff. And I think it's important to understand that this is the new generation. This is a generation that'll lead us to a healthier world. And it's exciting to see people who have an interest and spark in doing that. And Jonathan's kind of had an unusual um, journey and I think it's important to share. And I just kind of show you the resilience of a young man who's really worked hard. So Jonathan, so excited. Can you tell me, and the audience I already know, because I was there, tell us a little bit about when, why you're interested in, in health. Well, to be uh, frank, I've always, my love of health and fitness probably started when I was 12, when I watched uh, those P90X videos. Um, <laughs> we used to have those and it was like the beach body movement. And when I saw Tony, that was the name of the trainer. Um, he was like nice and ripped and everything. I was like, I was growing up, I was very skinny. So, uh, I, w- I looked up to him and I started doing P90X and running and cross country. And I was always, conscientious about my diet even before I I even started with P90X. And from there, it just kind of steamrolled into where in high school, I was even more in love with health and fitness where I've always wanted to go into that industry. And that love of fitness has stayed with me through high school, college, right now I'm still in college. And my goal in life is to continue pursuing a lifestyle career and personally that is involved in health and fitness. So I think it's important that people understand you said, you know, you were skinny. 
<laughs> when you were little, you were very, very thin. Tell us a little bit though, because Jonathan, I don't think you were just, a, you didn't have just a normal childhood. You had a, a difficult one, more, a, different even than your brother and sister, right? So those two, um, school came easy. Academic challenges were very simple for them. Um, but you were blessed with dyslexia that we had to discover in a very drawn out and dramatic fashion. Um, just a little heads up. I mean, Jonathan may not remember this part, but when he was little, he would struggle to um, write letters. And his sister was writing at what, three, <laughs> two or three. I think she wrote her name at two and she was reading by four and writing little stories even. She's amazing. She's now in medical school, just <laughs> for everyone to know. <laughs> She's She's smarter than all of us combined. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But now Jonathan's very super bright, but it, you know, he's got the academics. I'm in the academic world, but um, you know, the thing was um, when Jonathan came, the problem was he didn't even understand. He couldn't do the letters even as he got older and he couldn't learn the ABCs, but he could do math like crazy. It was so bizarre and normal conversations with this kiddo and some other interesting characteristics. But so we took him to therapists, we took him to doctors, we took him to psychologists, we had him tested. One even told me, I flew all the way to Dallas from Lubbock, Texas to take Jonathan there and said he had the IQ of someone of uh, 74. And I was like, that is, or that's ridiculous. So there's no way. <laughs> so um, I kept searching and by the time Jonathan was in kindergarten, I don't know if you remember spending hours each day because Jonathan spent two years in preschool, a pretty academically rigorous preschool at that. Yeah, I remember um, looking mm -hmm. at what they do is they try teaching you the syllables of words and they don't teach you like real words at first. They teach you the sounds of the words, the, you know, um, if you have Jonathan, you learn John, then eh, then. And so we broke down every single word and it took years upon years to uh, eventually learn how to read. And I didn't learn how to read until I was, mm. I would like to say seventh grade. So that would have been, I would have been 13, well, 14. You had, that age. Um, well, let's go back in kindergarten, right? So you had, um, by the time we held you actually, cause you were going to be younger in that group anyway. So we actually held you from starting kindergarten another year because your birthday's in the end of April. So he was an older, not by a lot, but a little bit older kid. So we could keep you in preschool one more year until we tried to figure out what was going on. So kindergarten, you started, right? So we worked every single day. Well, this is while I was in medical school too. We worked every single day for at least an hour on letters. I mean, hours upon hours of letters we did. We did all sorts of stuff, didn't we? And we had... We were just trying to learn the alphabet. By the time we got to Christmas, he knew four letters, A, B, C, and D. And um, I was just, I was at my wit's end. I was like, I don't know what to do for this kid. And there were, nobody had any answers for me until a friend of mine that was a pediatrician uh, resident said, Lori, why don't you look into dyslexia? That's what it sounds like. And I read the book called The Gift of Dyslexia, which I really understand now that entrepreneurs, what, 40% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic, even though they're only, what, 10% of the population. And um, I was, like, reading about Jonathan. So, Jonathan, do you remember the clay? I do remember <laughs> when I was in first grade, 
we had a special ed program at my school where we created letters from clay instead of just writing it down because the thing with dyslexia from what I have my understanding is the occipital part of your brain doesn't have like a lot of connection with the rest of your brain. So you kind of have to use the different parts of your brain to create those connections with the letter. And so I associated that letter, like once I could feel it, I could mm-hmm. can connect with it. It's a, it's a, you're more, the left side and the right side, they just work a little differently. So your linguist, linguistic part of your brain works a little differently from my understanding. But what we figured out was in kindergarten, we came home and we used those things that he, the practices and that gets a dyslexia book. And he took clay and we, you built letters and you learned 16 letters in, in two weeks over Christmas break. And so that was the breakthrough we needed because then I could go to the school and say, listen, this kid's got dyslexia. And by law, (laughs) you have to test him and you have to help me. So he did. And we were in Texas for a while. Then we went to Virginia, which was good. And we did everything we did. We did sight letters. We taped them on (laughs) couch. It said couch or the, I mean, we did everything we could. Every single book that Jonathan found that was interesting, we bought that. If he was learning by film, we watched in what? 24 hours of World War II history. Yeah, I, I went through a history phrase and that's never really left me in terms of having a obscure passion. But by the time you were in first grade, um, no, by the time you were in fourth grade, you had a first grade reading level. So now to read fluently may have been in middle school because it was in eighth grade that you finally didn't require any IP or special treatment or it testing. Was, it was near seventh grade. I had a day where I just started like, reading the newspaper and I was I was like whoa I'm just putting these words together it was it all that practice eventually it just clicked and you're if you spend like a decade trying to learn a particular thing and it just starts clicking you're like what is this is this like me imagining things and then after that I became obsessed with reading and I still love to read to this day yeah and you've become an amazing writer and so I would certainly say that you've overcome the dyslexia, but I think it taught you one, the value of hard work and entrepreneurship, which you've known <laughs> since you were little. So Jonathan, I don't remember how great are you when you, when you had me buy all those pencils and you sold them at school. Was I first was grade? in first grade <laughs> and I wanted to make money. So I got my parents <laughs> to buy me these Pokemon cards and pencils. Oh yeah. I forgot about I, the Pokemon cards. I used to sell that three times the price to my classmates. <laughs> I might've not had the best grades, but I always had the most money. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best grade. Well, the thing was you kept coming back asking more pencils. I'm like, my God, child, you're using a lot of pencils. And he's like, yeah. I was like, what do you think? He goes, well, I'm selling them, mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I see him in the bank. <laughs> exactly. So that was really funny. And then the, I think the most creative one is that you, was it the, was that in Virginia? You made those little maps of the school. You actually drew out maps. Oh yeah. Copied them and then sold the little maps of school. Yeah. I made $50 selling kids. maps. <laughs> Are you serious? I never knew you made those. <laughs> I was, I don't know why kids buy that, but it was I somehow convinced them to buy them. So it was. <laughs> so Jonathan went on to high school. <laughs> so anyway, you can see where our life was filled with always some interesting story or something that Jonathan was doing. But um, 
either that or trying. He was very good at uh, games with numbers, and he beat his <laughs> siblings playing twenty one or something that that Lolo, his granddad, taught him how to play <laughs> to gamble. <laughs> Oh my goodness, this is getting too fun going down memory lane. But anyway, so Jonathan, you went into high school and then you're really tried. I, what was really cool and I think is a great thing for one parents to listen to if they have kids, one who are struggling with learning disabilities. One is to take each day small steps, right? And just keep working, keep chugging, make mm-hmm. it enjoyable, right? Some part that you find enjoyable, latch onto that. The second part was doing the things that you enjoy. So you always pushed yourself to be better and to step outside your comfort zone. So tell us what that meant. Like one, what your leadership roles in school and the different things that you were doing there. So in high school, I had this obsession of trying to build the greatest resume to get scholarships. And so I did everything under the sun in order to build the greatest resume I could. So I took 10 AP classes. I was president of my school. I was president of two other clubs at one point. And I was just, I was pushing myself um, very hard, but a good story uh, that I feel people can take away from was in sophomore year of high school, beginning near the end of freshman year, I was running for a class position. It was class president. And this guy named um, Ethan, I won't say his last name, but Ethan, and me were competing for class presidency and I had spent around 80 to a hundred dollars buying everyone bags of candy. And I was like, Hey, here's a bag of candy vote for me. And so I gave it to everyone in my class and they're like, we're all going to vote for you. Mazel tov. And it came to presenting our speech. I written out this like speech and I, I went first and it was horrible. I was stuttering on every word and I was sounded like a robot. And Ethan goes up there. He had done 4-H and had been public speaking for at least a few years. And he destroyed me, absolutely destroyed me. He was funny. He was spontaneous. He was able to engage with the crowd and just absolutely annihilated me. And... I didn't get a single vote. Like that was how bad it was. Everyone was, yeah, everyone was like, you suck. So um, luckily I was able to interview for a class position, a class, class, the, the student body government was based off interview, not popular vote. And luckily I was able to get into student government through the interview process. But what I could have chosen was I could have been angry and, uh, very PO'd at Ethan for destroying me. But instead, when he was destroying me at the time, I was like, I was like, whoa, he's really good. I'm going to study him. And I literally spent, I think, months watching YouTube videos on how to be a public, better public speaker. And then throughout high school, from sophomore year to when I graduated, I had to give um, speeches to my to the class every single week. And then I also went to different clubs and I was always trying to become a better public speaker. And I spent two years at Carl Mace University and I also was public speaking in front of them. And I've now gone to the point where I had, for instance, a class where I had to speak in front of everyone and I didn't even prepare. And I just gave a, a killer speech and my professor was like, 
you are literally one of the best speakers I've ever had in my 20 years of teaching. I don't know how you can just like look at your PowerPoint and then just come up with something right off the fly. And that was only because I had spent five years working at it, but I became a very good public speaker probably within three years because I gave a public speech on graduation because I became third. I was like historian and that they actually wrote an article about that in our county's newspaper. And so Kelly from somebody who was a horrible public speaker to somebody who became an excellent public speaker. I think, you know, things happen for us, not against us. So when you fail, just fail forward instead of just looking down. And that's just one little aspect. And when it comes to academics, I was, I could not write or read for, to save my life when I I was entering high school, I could read, but I didn't know how to write. And because of just constantly, like I would spend and every day I would write a four paragraph essay. And I did that for like an entire year in order to become a better writer. And now I can write really pretty decent. And the same thing with like communication and um, understanding people. Like I didn't, I was very socially awkward growing up. You can attest to that, right? Yes, Jonathan. <laughs> very. So Jonathan um, would have moments that he wouldn't read social cues, right? And we just assume it's part of the dyslexia and different things. But his brother and sister who flanked him, the younger and older brother and myself, were like Jonathan, social cues. And so we would teach him and he was always super absorbent of those. Now, it doesn't mean that you didn't struggle, Jonathan, right? Because you had some down times when you're, yeah, growing. yeah, you felt we down. We all do. We all yeah, have down times. But, you know, the thing was that you were um, always open to suggestions and um, you took them in knowing that we loved you and meant well for you. And you took those and worked really hard because you understood the value of hard work, right? So if you work harder than the person who maybe has all the talent and they just don't work as hard, you're going to gain, right? Because I think that's the, the point that you're making here is that one, you went, you worked really hard because you didn't have the innate skills, but that's actually proven to be beneficial to you when it comes to launching your own business, your own podcast, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, your business major now, that type of thing. So it's, that's, that's the thing to look for. Exactly. Um, I mean, if somebody, if you knew where I started, I was not athletic. I was very skinny. I weighed a hundred pounds entering into high school, roughly at the same height that I am now. And no, you weren't that tall. You were about, I was, I was five. You were shorter than me when you entered high school. You know, I'm five, seven. You're I weighed, five, five, nine now. But Still, I did gain 50 pounds in weight just because I just ate a lot of food and worked extremely yeah, hard. But you were probably about five, four-ish, five, gained four. about five inches. Yeah, so, but yeah, you were definitely very thin and you were bullied growing up too, right? Because we were in different schools that were active duty, we were in public public schools. And I think there was a, a point that where the, you're like, I don't want to be bullied anymore. And that's when you really start getting into lifting weights. yeah. That's probably where it stems from. And, and it just, you work hard and I didn't even fully, I haven't fully overcome dyslexia until I, I believe probably until I left Colorado and back in 2017, I don't feel like I had fully gotten fully over it academically, socially, and physically. It took probably until I was 1920, honestly. What do you mean that you got over it? Acad- uh, more socially, like social cues and your EQ, like understanding mm-hmm. EQ probably. So explain to us what EQ is for those who don't understand that. 
EQ is emotional intelligence. So the ability to empathize with people, the ability to, if you go into a room and be able to relate and have a understanding of what is social awkward, what's not. And it took a long time for me to like dissect that. And kind of what I did with like academia, I read a lot of books and I just saw and observed people who were very, uh, I guess, had high emotional intelligence and people just loved to be around them. And so I just watched them see what they did, what they didn't do. And I just kind of emulated them. You surround yourself with the people who... You were studying people. So you were a studier of of people and seeing what they did because they had the traits and qualities that you desired. So that is really unique because a lot of kids are not into that. They're so worried about their own personal agenda and how people see them but you're just like shoot someone's already got it i'm gonna watch what they're doing i'm gonna shut court you know you know cut make a shortcut here and and figure that out but well let's talk about um the plant-based diet so tell us what you first thought when we (laughs) be kind when we get down (laughs) when i brought it home that was early 2012 so you were what 15 yeah i was 15 yeah, you're about 15, so you're 22 now. So um, that was 15, and tell us what happened when mom's like, um, we're not eating meat and dairy anymore. I was mm-hmm. I was against it to the beginning. It took maybe about a few months, and I kind of started seeing your way. And it wasn't like overnight. It was a transition for sure. But it was relatively easy because I had always been health nut. I mean, I, I don't think I've had cake for my own birthday for years. Yeah, it was so no. weird. We could never buy you a cake for your birthday because you didn't wouldn't eat it. You literally yeah, refused. I I never really I never puke. I would never puke, but it was like I don't want cake for my birthday since middle school or even high like elementary um, maybe. It must have been in middle school. I do know that we had to use jelly beans to potty train you. So there yeah. was a point that you did like sweets cuz <laughs> Yeah, but I haven't had cake for my own birthday in yeah, years. You really like sweets. Like you couldn't buy anything sugary for you. You're just like, I don't want it. I won't eat it. And I'm like, this is so strange. Yeah, so I've always been kind of health conscious. So relatively speaking, going to a vegan diet wasn't too difficult for me. And, you know, I've never drank. I've never done any sort of like smoking or drugs. Um, and being in college, I don't really care what people's opinions are of me. So I just always... I guess it's just easier for me because I just have always been an individual. Well, yeah. you've, I think part of it is right. That you set yourself some goals, right. And then you just observing as being your mom, right. Is just that you have a certain goal and everything that every decision that you make, if it hinders your reaching your goal, you won't do it. But if it will add to your ability or increase your odds of succeeding there, that's what you're going to do. And I think that has only steamrolled in the last two years. I would say since you're in Florida going to school. I would say so, yes. I think I had some bit of that. Um, lost it probably first two years of college. And then it started like coming back again as I've focused more on what I see for myself and my future. So as a young person who's 22, who's healthy, wants to focus on plant-based nutrition, what is it exactly that you see in your future? Like what type of company are you wanting to run? Like where do you see the need and 
what can maybe you might encourage some other young people who are listening that might be thinking about doing something like this? For me, uh, I am positioning myself to get in the more of the food business. There's a few different things that I'm working on um, there. And um, as time goes on, I'll further elaborate. But when it comes to people who are my age and you want to make a difference, I say find something that you're passionate about and something that you're great at. Um, if it's health and fitness, then it's health and fitness. If it's, uh, it just depends on whatever you're good at. Um, if you're good at it and you have a passion for it, then you can make a living out of it. And um, don't just chase the money because you'll never be happy. I mean, so what do you think, what do you think will make someone happy? I'd like to hear this from a 22 year old. Well, uh, I have limited experience in that, but from just kind of like observation, just doing things that have a higher purpose than yourself. And I think giving back to people, the people who give the most typically are the most fulfilled I've kind of seen. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, you only live one time. And if you live with intent and you just don't live life willy nilly and you're like, I don't know where I'm going, but I feel like I'll eventually get somewhere. If you versus I am going to be at this place in X, Y, Z years, and I'm doing this every single day that will get me to that place. That seems more fulfilling than the person who's just kind of like left let's life, um, you know, have their way. So, you know, you're kind of like, a, you set your, your sailboat and you just kind of set your sails and which way the wind blows, it'll take yeah. you. That's, I, that's not going to lead you to, down a path of, of, you know, where you want to be, you know, just you'll land, you may land somewhere that you find enjoyable, but don't be dismayed when you are still circling <laughs> in the same pattern and nothing's changed. Right. Exactly. And, you should have a, a, you should have somewhere that you're working towards, but you should also enjoy the journey. Like I enjoy the journey. I, I love every single day that I get up and I get to do things and work towards the future that I enjoy. But I, also, I enjoy the, the climb. I, I like the destination, but I also like the climb. And I think you have to enjoy the climb because at the end of the day, that's all we really have. Because you're only given this day, right? The day exactly. that you have right now exactly you don't know i could get hit by a bus today or tomorrow you never know so i just enjoy (laughs) right you enjoy the journey because your journey may end tomorrow yeah well i think that someone i think people need to understand the type of kid that you are so i remember um when you were in high school and um dr coleman came up to me goes that was really cool what jonathan did i said what did jonathan do because now Dr. Coleman was a, a colleague of mine in Rifle, Colorado, um, went to a hospital, but we lived in a little town called Parachute. And his son was the same age as Jonathan's, Ben. And um, Dr. Coleman came up to me during work day and said, that was really cool what Jonathan did. And I had no idea what Jonathan had done. And he goes, he gave that computer to that girl that didn't have one. I said, he did? <laughs> So I came home and I was like, Jonathan, what was this computer that you gave away? He goes, well, I want it. I just gave it to a girl who didn't have one because I already have everything I need. And I think that, um, you know, Jonathan does those type of things often. And he's, um, 
just a really good kid in that sense. Young man, excuse me. You'll always be my kid. Um, <laughs> but I think it speaks volumes of what you were describing, right? Someone who often gives and is going to be more fulfilled and, you know, and because that's part of why we're here in our human existence, right? Is, you know, to fill others' lives up because then we also get benefit from that. So I think that's important. So now, Jonathan, you started your podcast. What is your aim for your podcast? To share the world, the, the truth about like the vegan diet and that people are reversing their chronic diseases by this. And this is the healthiest diet that there is. And that's my, that's always been my passion is helping people, um, business and stuff. I love business and everything and entrepreneurship, but that's the angle. Like that's the means to the end of helping people. Um, that me helping people is what I love. Uh, and I love, uh, just making people healthy. And at one time I wanted to be like in the medical field, but realized that's not necessarily my strongest point. And so I kind of realigned my, I, I, I took a self check and kind of had realization that I, my skills and talents lead more towards business. And so I really, and also just being able to communicate with people and with the podcast, I want to, again, just share stories of people who come from a vegan background and to inspire people to change their lives. Uh, they can lose their weight and they can overcome chronic diseases. So I think that's important too, because you brought out a couple of points that's super important. One, you hear people reverse disease, but there's other benefits. Animal agriculture is cruel and, you know, that's a whole nother realm, vegan ethics, Um, but your environment, right? So this is a world that your generation is going to be inheriting. You probably want to make the decisions that are going to ensure the best place environment for you and your children to, to live in sustain <laughs> a, a viable future. But um, I want to go back to where you describe <clears throat> you and your health and you're seeing that people are getting better. How tell people, um, John, cause you're a pretty well-built young man, like you're lifting weights. And if I recall exactly, I remember the, the two years, the last years of high school, you gained about 30 pounds of lean muscle just from on a plant-based diet. Yeah. Um, and so for people to understand he, <laughs> clean, no drugs and no drugs involved, but granted he was a growing teenager, but that's just, again, dedication to a sport where you were lifting weights. Um, and it was so funny because Jonathan, you ran <laughs> cross country all those years and you went from the skinny cross country kid <laughs> to, you were like, there were two of you guys, right? That would, every time when we go to a cross country meet and we were in Colorado, <laughs> And there's Jonathan, he's like bulging out of his little uniform. It's like, he's got more muscles than six of these kids together. But I think that's important to understand that you can thrive, right? As an athlete and building muscle. And this isn't, you know, a diet that makes you weak and anemic or anything, right? What would you say as far as your own health, like your recovery? Do you feel strong? Do you feel energetic? What, how yeah. do you feel as a person? Absolutely. I feel energetic. I like, I gain weight. I mean, there's plenty of vegan bodybuilders out there that have dispelled the myth that there's on Venus, a vegan bodybuilder. Uh, he He's fully vegan. He's pretty big dude. There's, Who was he? Sorry, uh, John Venus. John Venus. Okay. There's, 
his, his name's Ni, Niam. It's like N-I-A-M-I. I can't pronounce his name, but he's also a vegan. There's plenty of vegan bodybuilders out there. And the- well, There's Patrick well, Baboyan, who's one of the strongest men in the world, who's vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that's important for any young person, especially young males. And there's a new movie come out. You haven't seen it yet, but your brother did called game changers. Hopefully it'll be more available more to the general public soon, but that's really cool. But it talks about elite athletes who eat a plant-based diet. So what, what advice do you give to someone, Jonathan, who is saying, well, I don't even know what to eat. So tell us, tell us what you eat in a day. Well, I eat, uh, I eat pretty boring. I eat a bowl of big old oats. I and smash we're talking a very, very big bowl. This is not your normal bowl of oats. I eat, well, if you want like to be specific, I eat like 300 grams of oats with half a liter of soy milk with like three bananas, which is between like 200 and 300 grams. And then I... Like if you have tofu, I eat two blocks of tofu a day with um, I think like 100 grams of spinach and I eat like a bag of blueberries. But the biggest things like when it comes to like gaining weight, I would say like beans, rice, and tofu. Those are your big ones and also uh, nuts. So you're eating beans, rice, tofu, nuts and seeds, greens, fruit, pretty plain. You don't, but although you make your own, you have some cool videos on making your own like black bean, bean <laughs> brownies and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so, but you know, there's, there's certainly, you eat a pretty simplified diet because I know you, you know, you, how much do you spend a week? Less than a hundred dollars. Less than a hundred. 50 to 75 a week ish on average. Yeah, and dollars every ten days or so, twelve days. Exactly, somewhere around there. So it's pretty, pretty reasonably priced. You can eat, and you're eating a lot of food because you're trying to bulk. <laughs> yeah, so I'm eating between three thousand and three to thirty-five hundred calories a day. But that's if you're just trying to maintain a weight, you don't have to eat nearly as much as I do. Right, because I probably eat less than half of what you're eating on a day. So definitely definitely so one so you're starting your podcast and it's called this is plant-based this is plant-based and you have a website yes and it's called this is plant-based too this is plantbased.com which i'll put the links and everything here and then so what are your there are more uh you're finishing school in december of next year and you're wanting to get more into health and fitness in in the food industry maybe Mm-hmm. And a few different things. Um, so now what, what advice do you tell these college kids? Because there's always excuses. I can't do this because I'm a college kid. I can't eat healthy. Why do you think it's important to eat healthy as a young person? Well, it's establishing good habits later on in life. Because even if you can, for instance, your 20s, you can kind of like, you can choose to eat healthy or unhealthy. But those habits that you establish now, this is the long term, will follow you when you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And and it's a lot harder to change habits when you're in your 30s because that's an extra decade of ingraining that habit in. If you do it now when you are 
in your early 20s or even late teens, it makes it a world of a difference. It's very, it's, for instance, I don't have to deal with the habit of drinking alcohol and I don't have to deal with that habit. But if you get in the habit of eating really bad and drinking a lot, that habit can follow you later on in life when you're not, when you, when you're, metabolism decreases and then you have, you know, the beer gut and diabetes and a whole host of chronic diseases. Right. So I think you said exactly right. These are habits that you're starting. So that's why I tell parents to start feeding their children while they're like, well, they won't eat it. I said, they'll eat what you feed them. Do you remember the rule we always had at home? (laughs) It's like, you'll either eat what's in front of you. You'll eat in the morning because I wasn't going to cook two meals. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you always wash your dishes, like, like I'm not your maid. Every if you dirty dish, you wash it, because <laughs> again, one, we didn't have the money, or two, I didn't have the time to be everybody's housemaid, nor was it smart. But, you know, that's those are key factors, right? Is that mm-hmm. you're exactly right. So those habits you one, look at your habits that you built when you were little studying, led you to success in high school, graduating mm-hmm. third in his class, and then on to college with a full ride scholarship and um, moving on to Florida and some other things, but you're switching majors just because I think you found out who you were, right? You, you weren't denying yourself anymore of the things that you enjoyed, which are always entrepreneurship and business. And now to success, hopefully into your twenties, thirties and, and on. Exactly. So that is really important. So how for you, it's, I think it's always been easy for you to establish good habits. <laughs> so how do you, how do you help? Do you, have you helped any how would you give advice to help someone to, let's say, establish a workout habit? Because I know you're very, you are, you're very strict about that. Let's do one thing a day that leads the creator powerless. So write three to five things that you want to get to make habits and try doing them every single day. Maybe even just start with one thing, like one good habit you want to form in 30 days and create a little list and then mark it off and you do it every single day for a month. You add something new, take that thing that you now made a habit, get off the list and you add something and you continue doing that little by little and little. And over time, those habits build up and will within like a year, you'll be a different person altogether. I mean, I started doing that probably the beginning of 2017 and it's changed my life. Um, there's little habits. It could be as little as I'm not going to drink um, that extra soda that I drink every single day. And you do that for a month and then you take something else. And then, you know, before you know it, those little habits start adding up because people, they, you know, you can do like the 90 day uh, weight loss program. You lose a lot of weight quickly, but then you don't have sustained effort towards it and you gain all that weight back within 30 days. So you've spent 90 days losing all that weight, but then you just gained it back within 30 or somewhere around there. <laughs> so biggest thing is just think longevity and change doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take months, maybe years, but in the long run over the span of your life, which is decades, it'll be worth it. So those small habits create ripple effects and they build upon each other right? Mm -hmm. So I like the, just the one thing. So focus on the one thing that you know you can do every day. And what you're describing is what they call a habit tracker. So when you 
let's say you write it on a calendar, right? And you're clicking an X. I did it this day, this day, this day, this day. And it's a visual um, motivation that you're seeing. And like there was a story of a gentleman who he was young, like you starting out right out of college at a sales company, not making much. And he was, you know, just a newbie, but he had 120 uh, paper clips in one jar and he would not stop or leave for the day until he had moved all the paper clips to the other jar. And each one of those were associated with making a sales call. And before you know it, he's bringing in like within, I think 24 months or something. I can't remember the exact story, but it was a short period of time, $5 million in sales. And he went on to do very well, but it's just those small habits, right? That you're doing and those visual cues to help. So excellent. That helps a lot. Yep. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience who might be wanting to listen one besides come and subscribe? Did you have some cool people coming on? Yes. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Jonathan Marbus um, underscore. And if you want to follow me on YouTube, it's Jonathan Marbus. And if you want to follow me on any Google Play, Stitcher, or iTunes, um, it's This Is Plant Based with Jonathan Marbus. Those are all the areas that you can find me. You can also visit my website called thisisplantbased.com. Very cool. And thank you, Jonathan, for being on my podcast. Thank you. All right. Enjoy, everyone. And go follow my Jonathan because I think you guys are going to, it'll be fun for you to see what the young people are going to be doing in this world. Guys, take care.